Would you bow with me? May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. Being that we have so many high school students with us today, I reminisce back to my high school days growing up in South Carolina. And uh, a number of us wanted to take Latin, and Latin was not offered at my high school. French, German, and Spanish were, but enough of us wanted to take Latin that they hired a retired Latin teacher named Mrs. Rouse to come and teach us. And Mrs. Rouse had, she wore long floor-length skirts, blouses that were buttoned up so her chin stood tall, and she had a tightly woven bun in her hair every day. She taught us Latin very well. She was very strict, though. We will always remember Mrs. Rouse. When I got to college, I decided to take Spanish. So I enrolled in the Spanish 101 class, and for some reason, I had much difficulty learning Spanish separate from Latin, and my teacher and I would talk, professor, and I would talk, and she said, Bob, you're getting your Latin confused with your Spanish, the endings and all of that, and the semester drew on, and then she looked at me one day, and she said, Bob, and usually you don't hear teachers say this, she said, Bob, I think you need to drop Spanish, (laughs) and I did. Thankfully, when I got to seminary years later, I was, I guess I redeemed myself because I did much better in the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek. At the first Pentecost, thankfully, the Christ followers had no trouble with their foreign languages. In fact, the Holy Spirit filled them with such power that they were able to speak languages they had never studied They did not have Mesopotamian YouTube sites to go on. There was no Rosetta Stone. There was no Google Translate. Just pure Holy Spirit power, like the sound of rushing wind or what appeared to be tongues of fire resting on these believers. Pentecost was a Jewish festival held 50 days after the Passover, It was originally a festival of first fruits, but later was used to celebrate the giving of the law of God to Moses at Mount Sinai, the coming down of God to make a people for himself. In today's scripture lesson that you heard from the book of Acts, the setting is the first Pentecost after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. If you were with us last Sunday, you remember that we studied what happened right after the ascension and that the disciples had to meet to replace the disciple Judas, whose life had ended in a tragic, sad way. The twelve and others, with, of course, Matthias, the newly appointed follower, disciple, uh, totaled some 120 altogether followers of Jesus, continued to meet together in the temple precincts to worship and to pray. When the disciples experienced these strange occurrences at Pentecost, they began praising God in a miraculous way, and it attracted many, many people to come hear what all the commotion was. 
and they heard the disciples speaking in their own native languages. The people heard the message of God in their own dialect or tongue. The word in the Greek here is dialectos from dialegomai, which simply means dialect or language or tongue, uh, the language that is peculiar to any given uh, people. All heard and understood as one, and they were all amazed. I imagine you would be amazed if you were there as well. If you look at a map of this area in the Mediterranean, you would see that people from all over were there. Jewish people had come from their native areas and with their native languages and had resettled in Jerusalem and were working and raising families and doing all of that and had come to the Pentecost festival. There were some pilgrims that came and would go back, but most of the people were living in the area and heard the story of God in their own language. We would say they were immigrants who had come to Jerusalem. Their homelands encircle Palestine in all directions, north and south and east and west. A diverse people in language and culture who happened to share the common faith of the Hebrew people. And the Holy Spirit enabled these disciples to do something that they never could have done on their own. When Luke describes this event with the descriptor of tongues of fire, he's confirming that this was indeed a divine act. That God gave supernatural power to these people. Looking back to the Old Testament, fire was often used to describe God's holy presence. Moses experienced a bush that was burning and that would not be extinguished, the presence of God. We see it again as the Lord descended on Mount Sinai in a fire. It's also used to describe the judgment of God in the uh, towns of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see that fire is also uh, a means of judgment in other uh, places in Scripture. And then in the New Testament, John the Baptist seems to think of our Lord's baptism of fire, at least in part when he says, I baptize you with water, referring to the baptism of John, for repentance, but the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. I am not worried to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the symbol of the presence and power of God. So it's no surprise that those who were present trembled with awe and wondered what had gotten into these Jesus followers. Well-known pastor and preaching professor and author Dr. Tom Long speaks of this power in this way. So maybe, just maybe, the gift we get at Pentecost is the gift of power, and God knows we need it. Pentecost may give us power, but it's not ordinary power, not clout like the world's power. If there is power, he says, at Pentecost, it's more like the power of Jesus because it look like, looks like weakness and vulnerability. Did you notice what the world did when the church manifested its Pentecostal gift? They poked each other in the rib and said, I don't know about you, but they look like they're drunk to me. That's strange power. No, when all said and gone, the gift that we get at Pentecost is not the superficial gift of energy and excitement. It's not an injection of artificial adrenaline, and it's not the kind of power that the world thinks is power when you see it around the world today in politics and industry and so forth. The gift, rather, we get on Pentecost is the one we most desperately need and the world needs. 
Long says, strangely enough, the gift of Pentecost is the gift of something to say. A word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of the world that is unlike any other word. Did you notice what happened to the church when the Spirit was given? It stood up and spoke. It moved from silence to language. It talked and the whole world heard the good news in its own languages. As the prophet Joel said, in the latter days I will pour out my spirit on all humanity and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will have a word to speak that life is stronger than death, that hope is deeper than despair, that every tear will be dried and that in the power of Christ's resurrection, death and pain will be no more. That word is our gift to speak. There's this gift at Pentecost a word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of the world, a word of good news and hope that is unlike any other word. Let me suggest that God has given us a word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of this world to the community of Santa Fe, Texas, who is devastated from another senseless act of violence. And to those in Parkland, Florida, and other communities who have had the scabs pulled off of their wounded bodies and spirits, and to our own students who feel their pain and want desperately to see change in this world, you are our future, students. You are our future. Make change. In the midst of brokenness and tragedy that we are called to speak a word of good news and hope through the love of Jesus that there is a better way to be and to live. The most Reverend Michael Curry, the presiding bishop of the American Episcopal Church, preached at the royal wedding yesterday. How many of you were up at 4 a.m.? Let me just see. Hi, raise them high. Oh, my word. Yeah. How many DVR'd it like me? All right, took the easier way out. In his message, he began with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, who said, we must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world, for love is the only way. Friends, Pentecost was not a one and done. The same power that God gave to those first followers of Jesus is available to us today. We may not be given the immediate gift of speaking a language we've never learned, but we can speak the language of Jesus to our neighbor, the language of love. Just as the world had moved into the neighborhood back then, the world has come to us today, and we can choose to build walls around our communities and churches and places of faith, or we can build bridges. Church, I choose to build bridges, and I believe you would agree with me. We need no longer to travel to other places to be on mission. Yes, we do that. Certainly we send teams and we go places around the world. But if the church is the mission of God, then our mission is also right here. And if you just look around, the world has come to us. Our county is large. Our county is growing. The world is at our doorstep. Since 2000, the population of Chesterfield County has increased by 31%. Those 65 and older increased by 90%. 
The Hispanic population alone has increased 234% since the year 2000 in Chesterfield County. And that's not all. Our county is one of the most diverse in its nationality, race, language, and heritage in our region. Mrs. Jody Seitz is the principal of Reams Road Elementary School. She's one of our members. We have a partnership with Reams. We send mentors. We work in their garden, etc. And I asked Mrs. Seitz this past week to tell me how many language groups they have at Reams. She replied, and I quote, We have families speaking 12 different languages in their homes at Reams, with the primary one of being Spanish. I got work to do on this thing, right? We also have Amharic, Arabic, Burmese, Mandarin Chinese, French, Twi, Yoruba, Cambodian Khmer, Kirundi, Portuguese, and Vietnamese right here in Chesterfield County, right in our midst. Our church is situated in the center of the world. It has come to us. Richmond City is right across the street from us. Our friends and neighbors in Richmond City and our community in Chesterfield County make a very diverse group, and we all work together to make a better world for our people. The world is right here. We must love one another. We have many opportunities to be neighbor with people from all walks of life. At Pentecost, it just wasn't the 12 disciples minus Judas plus Matthias who were given the power to build bridges and share the good news of Jesus with others to love their neighbor as self. It was the entire group, all 120 of them, male and female, young and old. They spoke words of Jesus' love and good news. This is the work of the people, the liturgia, the liturgy, we say, the work of the people. It's all of us, not just the clergy who are charged with sharing God's love and being good neighbors. I want to challenge each of us today, if you have a bulletin, to take it out and look at the space that I've provided for you. If you have something to write with, I want you to take it and draw a tic-tac-toe grid. Now, for the next generation, that's a hashtag. So draw a hashtag, and at the center of your hashtag... Uh, draw your house or just put me right there and then there are eight blocks around it and this is from a book called the art of neighboring and the art of neighboring says most of us don't know our neighbors you might say that's not necessarily my subdivision you might say that's your classroom at school and the eight people around you that might be your cafeteria seat at school and might be the eight people around you or it could be your subdivision and the eight homes that are around you it could be at your workplace and the eight people who are around you in the office. You, you can apply this really anywhere. And my challenge to us this week is to identify the eight people who are closest to us, to learn who they are, to learn their story, and to get to know them and to be a good neighbor. One of the things that has hurt us in our culture is garage door openers and backyard decks. People used to park out front and sit on the front porch. Now we open our garage doors, go in so we don't need to talk to anybody, and we sit on our back decks and enjoy our own place. I believe that we need to get back to front porch, front yard, neighbor knowing. Maybe this will be something that will encourage you. I pray for my neighbors regularly. I know the eight around me, and I'm seeking to know the others who are near them. I'm not there yet, 
Imagine the power that could come if we just got to know our neighbors and shared a word of hope and love into their broken lives. It seems to me, and I'm no expert, but it seems to me that every time or most of the time we hear news like Santa Fe or Parkland or Vegas or Columbine or Sandy Hook, there are many others. The person who was responsible was bullied, left out, made fun of, overlooked, a loner. I wonder what difference it might have made in some of these situations if the church would have been a better neighbor at a very young age. I'm no expert, but just think about what difference it might have made at age three or six or nine or 12. We can't change history, folks, but we sure can make history. And I believe we do that by being good neighbors and speaking the language of Jesus, which is a language of love, not hate. To leave you with a story. It is told, a story is told of a Vietnamese woman in North Carolina in a hospital emergency room who was waiting for her time to um, be checked in. Down from her was a Spanish woman trying to explain her situation to the nurse. The nurse who spoke English did not speak Spanish. The Spanish woman spoke broken English. The Vietnamese woman didn't understand Spanish, but she understood broken English because she herself used broken English to navigate her way in the world. So she went down and she was able to translate, not Spanish, but broken English from this Spanish woman to this English-speaking nurse so that the Spanish woman could get help. The Vietnamese translated broken English. She was so successful at translating broken English, true story, that she was hired by that hospital to be a generic translator of of broken English. Because brokenness was the common language spoken in the hospital. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks through broken people, you and me, to a broken world, using the language every broken heart can understand, the language of Jesus. Because we know what it's like to be broken by hatred, we can speak of the healing love of Christ's sacrifice. Because we know what it's like to be broken by despair, we can speak the healing hope of Christ's forgiveness. Because we know what it is like to be broken by doubt, we can speak the healing faith in Christ's promises. Because we know what it's like to be broken by illness, we can speak of the healing wholeness of Christ's resurrection. It's time for us as a church to stop relying on our own programs and powers and to start doing what these early disciples did, and that is simply to trust the Spirit and to speak the love language of Jesus into the broken hearts in this world today.
I leave you with Bishop Michael Curry's words from the sermon at the royal wedding yesterday. Listen, where he said, love is not selfish and self-centered. Love can be sacrificial and in so doing becomes redemptive. And that way of unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love changes lives. And it can change this world. If you don't believe me, he said, just stop and think or imagine. Think and imagine what it would be like where love is the way in this world. Imagine our homes and families when love is the way. Imagine neighborhoods and communities where love is the way. Imagine governments and nations where love is the way. Imagine business and commerce where love is the way. Imagine the tired old world when love is the way. Imagine unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love. When love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, he said, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay our swords and shields down by the riverside and study war no more. When love is the way, there's plenty of room, plenty of good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other, well, said Bishop Curry, like we're family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. Brothers and sisters, that's a new heaven. That's a new earth. That's a new world. That's a new humanity when love is the way. Let us pray. God, thank you for showing us that there is a better way. Thank you for allowing us, who, or we who are broken people, to speak into the lives of others who are broken. We have a common language. And above all, help us to speak the language of Jesus as we seek to love you, to love neighbor as ourselves. And that language of Jesus is love. Amen.